Uh, cool, can we start by just uh, having you introduce yourself and uh, explain a little about you, what your uh, role is at Nordic Games? Yeah. Uh, my name is Reinhard Polecze. I'm the Business and Product Development Director at Nordic Games. Uh, so I oversee pretty much um, all development projects um, uh, in a kind of executive producer role. Uh, and I also take care um, on evaluating potential new projects and also potential um, acquisition in the uh, that uh, concern our uh, you know product portfolio. So, for people that aren't familiar with Nordic Games, how would you describe like the games you guys release? Like, is there a certain theme to them? Like, what what do you look for, uh, and how would you describe the games that that Nordic has released in the past? Well, I mean, we have uh, a special focus on adventure games. This comes because we have acquired from uh, Dreamcatcher Interactive in 2011 a brand name called The Adventure Company. Um, and they were quite famous already for uh, high-quality adventure games, like point-and-click adventure games. But apart from that, our main focus is obviously um, on on the the franchises that we own, uh, which ranges from the stuff that we acquired in 2011, um, you know, Arcania, Painkiller, Spellforce, The Guild, um, and also now to integrate the the THQ franchises uh, franchises in that. And apart from that, we're always um, looking for uh, interesting projects that uh, kind of have some unique appeal um, and, and fit well also with the, the stuff that we already have in our portfolio. So for example, Deadfall Adventures um, is is another like unique uh, action game and, and we um, kind of started the partnership with the developers on developing a new painkiller game and uh, from that it evolved into, um, you know, um, the cooperation uh, on this project as well. So what did you find appealing about uh, what was available with from the, the assets that THQ was making available as a, right of the, as a result of the dissolution of the company? What The ones that you guys picked up, which is a pretty widespread, yeah. um, a lot of different genres, a lot of different franchises, from I think like from Darksiders to yeah. MTX, the, the racing uh, franchise. So what was kind of described that approach? Uh, well, I mean, when when the news was announced that THQ is falling apart, uh, we thought, okay, they have some interesting stuff. So initially we were interested in uh, things like Titan Quest, which um, we see that they very well fit with our current portfolio. And I myself, I'm a big fan of, for example, Titan Quest, but also Darksiders. So. But in the first round, we, we never got the idea that we, we finally end up getting Darksiders because we thought it's just, you know, a very big franchise. The, the studio was, um, you know, working on, on that. That was really big, um, and uh, yeah. So, so we kind of looked at all the these projects and products that were available, made our estimates what we can do in the future with them, um, how w what potential we see in existing products, and yeah. At some point, we we came to the conclusion that we would like to get as much as possible, and we came across uh, like that some products we didn't even know are actually very interesting and could be um, you know there can be something really nice made on them and so um, yeah so then we decided to go for the approach of, of taking like pretty much everything in the second auction round and uh, yeah we believe that that with, with Darksiders uh, mod uh, MX versus ATV um, Red Faction, the smaller ones like smaller ones like Titan Quest and mm -hmm. you know 
front lines probably also um, there's some very stuff very nice stuff in there where which are unique games that have a big following um, a big kind of hardcore community that are just striving and longing for um, you know to do something with that and um, yeah that's that's key in the next couple of months and years uh, to make good new stuff based on that uh, so to make to please this uh, demand can you describe a little bit what the process is like of when you see that the these assets are going to be available for sale and then just sort of like on the back end like who do you t like do you just do you tell lawyers like how does these this auction process works uh i think that's something that uh players don't have a good sense of yeah. but like do you get a number back and then you shoot a number back at them like how, how exactly does that work as much as you can say well i mean the the main part is the evaluation process on on our end which i mean first um it's kind of a due diligence where you analyze the legal situation how this could work if it makes sense what what rights we exactly would get um and and here of course in this process there are also lawyers involved from both sides so so we need to figure out how we can or how the contract framework can work out but on the other side like um we we already est make estimates based on, on on what is there what we can um do in the future with that what potential we see we see in a particular franchise um yeah and then then you kind of have to imagine you make a big uh spreadsheet with, with with just numbers um and and valuations on on certain property um and then then you just you know um, submit a formal bid, um, and at some point um, the parties that um, are, are selling these assets uh, they get back to us, telling us um, if they're satisfied with that, what other options they have, and and how we can you know work something out on that. Um, and this took uh, with the THQ stuff the um, from submitting the bid to getting the final approval it took about two and a half weeks. Um, but the process of analyzing the stuff that's there, it took from, it started in January pretty much. Um, and yeah, it's, it's still like, you know, it was, was done pretty much when we, when we had the final co phone call where we said, okay, we, we're gonna buy it for that amount that we announced. Is it, is it, you know, you've clearly done this in the past. Is it kind of nerve wracking when you have to make that final call of, all right, we're gonna spend you know, X amount of money, which I'm sure is, is a big number to acquire all these assets in the hopes that we can turn this into something yeah. down the line. It's not like you're acquiring a game in development yeah. and then putting it out. Um, it is kind of like um, we have a group of four to five people who are involved or heavily involved in that process. Um, and some of those, they they have at, at certain stages, they, they really get nervous because it's a, just a big amount of money. Yeah and before like um, putting that on a table before you you, you kind of own anything and you don't know how it turns out that's yeah it's it's kind of tricky um, but we we have a lot of experience in dealing with situations like that and so we we just um, you know experience help to overcome that that phase and and to to finally agree okay let's go for it how do you go about that evaluation process in terms of figuring out the viability of a franchise going forward like can you talk a little bit about the methodology yeah sure i mean um a key part of this process is obviously historical sales numbers so uh we kind of analyze how how the products performed 
and how they were received by both the press and the community. So, for example, there are products where the press like gave them not so well score. Uh, you know, they they reviewed them just like you know they they didn't give them good scores. Um, but in the end, the it has a very avid community behind them, and they and the sales numbers were also just good. Yeah, um, and. Um, yeah, and and so so then obviously it's also an analysis of the current landscape of games that's out there um, to see what compe potential competition you would face uh, when doing something out of that, and um, it, it it helps when when being being a, ga a gamer myself. So I I know most of the products I played them, so um, I kind of know what are the special USPs about those. Um, and I know what the the potential competitors in the market look like, and and if the game is still unique or if it's just basically if there are, are like twenty other games of that kind out and if it doesn't make any sense. Was there uh, a particular IP in THQ's portfolio that you acquired or looked at that maybe the the press didn't care so much for, but that sold way more than than you would have expected? Um, for us personally, I mean as we are Europeans so we didn't like expect that MX versus ITV is such a big franchise and it seems like in the States it has a huge following since the release of the first Motocross Madness which was basically the starting point for MX versus ITV um, and like from the from the sales number I think there were no real surprises because we are since we are also you know working in the publishing business we we also look at competitors and kind of like knew if this this title was particularly successful or not uh, but there were a few titles that we didn't know um, that have a very interesting concept and unique um, you know kind of uh, you know gameplay experience so to mention one particular game I have to say that I found uh, Deadly Creatures very interesting, which is basically... Your man after my own heart. That's one of my favorite games of like the yeah. last 10 years. Oh, that's that's <laughs> interesting, yeah. Um, it seems like, you know, the the sales numbers on Deadly Creatures were just not good, yeah. Um, I mean, but this is partly, I think, also because THQ didn't push it too much on the marketing side because it was such a niche product. Um, but the idea of playing like a tarantula, that's just amazing, yeah? Um, and, and I would love to do something on that, on, on that, you know, uh, idea. Uh, because it's like, it's fresh, yeah? yeah? There is nothing out there and you can do so many cool things on that. Um, yeah. Do you, do you find it to be sometimes, uh, you know, you play games, so you, you know what you like. Um, that is maybe sometimes at odds with what is good. Uh, going to be popular or what's going to sell better do you as someone in that position do you sometimes find yourself at odds making decisions where it's like well as a gamer this isn't necessarily what i'd like to see but this probably makes more sense for my company yeah, totally i mean uh also in the thq process there were a couple of products where i was like i'm not really uh, interested in that <laughs> because I, I i don't care about you know uh, there there were some um kind of kids or girls kind of games um so as a gamer, I don't care. But when when uh, looking or analyzing the product or the uh, the market and the demand on that, it kind of makes sense uh, to also develop such products. And I'm, um, yeah, I'm I'm also supporting decisions where uh, we are doing something on on these kind of games. I I don't care personally a gamer because um, working in this 
field as a professional you have to kind of you know step back sometimes and say okay um these are two pairs of shoes and i just need to um see it from the perspective of the company and what makes business wise the most sense so what's the next step for you guys? I imagine E3 for you is a lot of meetings and in addition to showing the games off, are, are you meeting with developers to try and like figure out what you do with these franchises going forward since, yeah. you, since you acquired the assets? Uh, yes, we are meeting developers, uh, but this is at this stage just you know evaluating possibilities and getting to know the people because for us it's first most important to internally agree on what products we're you know wh what kind of projects we're putting together based on these um, products and IPs um, and uh, I mean the, the transaction is legally kind of settled but um, we are now in the stage where we need to make sure we get the uh, like kind of data in, in the correct form so source code and assets and that sometimes especially when there are external developers who are involved that um, are not now out of business yeah it's kind of a tricky process because you have to ask former team members where you could find something uh, on that and yeah but are you having to do that with some of the franchises now with some of the studios that have dissolved is just how do you just like look people up in a phone book like how do, how, do, how does that work yeah it, totally we have to do that now I mean there are like the THQ of course they have an ar archive stuff but not everything like in perfect order or sometimes they just don't know or have have it backed up somehow even if they're internal studios so it's kind of like fi finding out if there were backup strategies who was on the team um, trying to make contact I mean it's it usually when when somebody spent time on a team of a project uh, in a key role they they are anyways very motivated to help us uh, and we are glad that such passionate people exist um, and of course in 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 uh, like in the future we would like to give them a perspective that they can work again on, on, on the product if they like to uh, and if it makes sense and you know and if the setup is right so but that's that's very um, you know it's, it's a tricky process you have to first identify what is missing then where you could get it which people were involved and and how you can make touch with them again yeah if you had a situation with a, a previous acquisition where you just weren't you know, you acquired the license, the rights to, to make new games, which just were not able to get a lot of the source assets that, you know, you technically had the rights to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with the um, Joe Wood and Dreamcatcher acquisition, we just got source data from, like, very recent uh, projects, but not for everything. So especially with Dreamcatcher, they had a lot of, or they, they technically owned a lot of IP and source code and assets, but in fact, other than painkiller and a few just a few others I can count them in one hand uh, there was nothing or nothing like really backed up and and uh, we still haven't gotten anything um, from that <laughs> but but yeah that's that's also a risk we have to you know calculate in when we evaluate stuff um, and in this case we, we we really try to if it's an interesting product or IP we, we try to find out who was behind it how can we, or, or if they have something, we, we try to make contact, but sometimes it's just not possible because the, the people are, are long out of the industry and doing something else and they're not interested to, like, or, 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 or they just don't have anything. <laughs> right. Um, so 
you know, obviously this is very early stages, early days in terms of figuring out what you do with these franchises next. Like for people that are excited about to see what, what happens, like are we talking a couple of years po possibly before we really hear anything concrete? Um, that depends um, on the franchise. So I think there are a few franchises that need like really a long time to put out something great, which is uh, particular, I have to mention Darksiders, which is a very, um, you know, those those kind of like action adventures RPG games, they need a lot of attention and a lot of work needs to go into design and um, yeah, you just need to have a great team on that and the 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 problem on Darksiders is that all former team members are now with <laughs> another company um, and it seems to be kind of difficult to get a hold of them or uh, yeah so um, so yeah. Um, on on some franchises it will just take long until we see something i would say um but of course we are trying to you know um do something with that also in the short term so for example what could be possible are our ports to platforms like mac or linux um, which is for us a very interesting field i mean um bigger companies i think they they, they don't care about this because it's just a very um you know it appears to be a tiny piece of the cake but it, if you do it right I think you can have a big impact on the communities because uh, there are a lot of players who, who are striving for those games also on their platforms um, yeah and, and some smaller games or games that are more easy to take care of it could be that we see something like already in the next year cool. well thanks so much for your time no problem